This week, I decided to look around India for a new friend of legend. And you're not gonna believe what I found. Oh my. I'm Vince. I'm Claire. And this is Friends, Friends of, of Legend. Legend. Friends of Legend, where every week we go on a global scavenger hunt for a new wondrous pal. And learn something about ourselves along the way. How poignant. What are we learning about this week? Well, I'd love to tell you, we are going to learn about the Naga. Now, we just started watching The Legend of Korra together, so I only associate Naga with a polar bear dog. What are you talking about? Certainly not anything that has to do with polar bears or dogs. The Naga, or Nagas, are a race of beings that share human and serpent qualities to them. Interesting. So are they, like, kind of half half human on the top and the bottom half serpent, or...? Yes, but also they can be human on the bottom with snake heads. Oh my. They can also be fully serpentine or fully human. Usually, if they're fully serpentine or fully human, they'll look like you know, your typical human or your typical, it's almost always a king cobra. Though sometimes the fully serpent ones have multiple heads. The true form of the naga, whether it's man head snake body or snake head man body, is, <laughs> <laughs> is much larger than either one, like many, many feet in height. They're, they're great large beings. Okay. And actually, Naga would be the name for the male version of the uh, the race, whereas the females are called Nagi, or something I think you'll enjoy, uh, Nagini. Oh, beans. That's where it comes from. That makes sense. Or, well, that's where that from Harry Potter comes from. Yeah, if you'll remember, Nagini is Voldemort's familiar. His not. I don't. I don't want to say pet snake because that sounds cute. <laughs> yeah, that houses a piece of his soul, and if you are to count the Fantastic Beasts series, that snake was once a person that was cursed. Mm -hmm. Not so with actual Nagas and Naginis. It is something they're born with. It's not like they're a person that was born with something. They are a completely different race unto themselves, and many of them would count it a blessing to be that way. Because of the fact that they have powers of transformation, they, of course, can trans transform into either a person or a snake at will. They are very, very strong. Their, uh, the venom in their teeth is very powerful as well, but they also have a few other powers, if you're interested. I'm wicked interested. So, a lot of them have the ability to control the weather. Like um, Thunderbirds. Much like Thunderbirds, except... Instead of representing the caprice of nature, they more ha they have more of a sort of human influence on it. They will actively grant good weather to villages that they feel are filled with good people. You know, try to promote crop yield and things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't really see a whole lot of stories of them 
using their powers to create bad weather. So that's nice, I guess. Okay, so do Nagas and Nagis have generally a sweet disposition? Sweet might not be the, the most accurate word. While they're generally considered to be friendly towards humans, much like humans, any individual Naga or Nagini might have both good and bad traits. There's stories of generous, wise, and helpful Nagas and Naginis, and then there's also stories of egomaniacal, cowardly, or rude ones as well. So yeah, much like people, you have good Nagas, bad Nagas, and some Nagas that are good sometimes and bad other times. But most often they're referred to as benevolent. Okay, well, that's good news for our quest to become friends with them. Now, you mentioned that they will bestow gifts of good weather and so on uh, upon human villages. Does that mean they often live amongst humankind? While it seems that there were times that they would live with people, generally they live either underground or underwater. They can be found in those places all over the Indian subcontinent, as well as some parts of Asia like Laos, Cambodia, Thailand, Indonesia, that sort of area. Okay. But usually out of the sight of people, unless they are disguising themselves as a snake or a person. I gotcha. Are they typically revered in those countries? Yes, they're considered to be semi-divine by a lot of cultures. They bestow a lot of blessings, such as good weather. They're also considered to be very intelligent and advanced beings with their own unique culture and a love for jewelry and fine things. Hmm. They're definitely revered, especially a place where you think a Naga or Nagini village might be. You don't want to corrupt or pollute that area. People take special care not to sully bodies of water, especially because it's considered that all of these bodies of water in that area might house Nagas. So if you relieve yourself in a river or wash your clothes in a pond, Uh and the Nagas or Naginis that live there find out about it, they will most likely punish you and their favorite way of punishing people who do that is giving them skin diseases oh man yeah so don't do it okay i won't (laughs) (laughs) now how how serious of skin diseases are we talking i didn't find reference to specific skin diseases but i'm imagining pretty bad rashes maybe even something as dire as leprosy oh gosh um just don't take your chances all right so Make sure to just collect your own bucket of water, bring it back to your home, and don't pollute the body of water that you are retrieving it from. It's only right. Mm-hmm. So what do Nagas and Naginis typically eat? In their true form, I wasn't really able to find a lot of mention of what they prefer to eat, but when they take the form of a pure snake, they'll eat snake things. When they take the form <laughs> of a pure human, they'll eat human things. Okay. I imagine that their diet and their true form is probably pretty carnivorous in nature. I would think so. Okay, so it sounds like if you do upset them, then they're not going to eat people. That's good news. Yeah, I didn't see any any stories of Nagas or Naginis eating people. I think they have the same sort of cultural moray against cannibalism. Like, you won't see them eating snakes sure. either. Mm-hmm. And this may 
come from the fact that they have such an advanced culture and they're also heavily associated with communicating with different religious or powerful figures. Almost as often as you hear stories of them integrating themselves with humans, you will see them taking residence with gods and goddesses, especially the kings of the Nagas. The, the kings of the Nagas are called Nagarajas, hmm. and they often will visit or live with certain gods or goddesses. So the god Shiva will have the Nagaraja Vasuki draped around his neck. Um, that's where Vasuki will sleep. And then another Nagaraja named Shesha is known to give shelter to the god Vishnu, kind of like a shade tree. He'll use his uh, cobra head flaps wow. to block, block the sun out. You did say they're pretty huge. They are enormous in their true form. Fascinating. And another fun story is one that has to do with the, the Buddha, Siddhartha. In one of the instances where he was meditating and fasting for several days, a heavy rainstorm came over the area, and the Nagaraja at the time, named Mukalinda, who was hmm. a Naga that had seven cobra heads, Dang. used all seven of his heads to act as an umbrella for the Buddha while he meditated. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. So they they have a very close relationship with divine figures, which is why they themselves are considered semi-divine. Yes, I am not used to hearing stories about snakes or snake-like figures being so gentle. In Western culture, snakes definitely have more of a sinister reputation, yeah. whereas, uh, especially in India, they're revered a little more. They're not considered, you know, evil or duplicitous. And especially those that represent the marriage of snake and man have very highly prized qualities to them. That's lovely. I hope that we can maybe take some of that sentiment of positivity towards snakes and nagas and naginis over to the Western cultures so that we don't have to be so afraid and vicious toward our snake friends. I believe we'd benefit from it, especially if a nagaraja catches wind of it. It is said that if a king of snakes or king of nagas notices that you're a particularly righteous person, they may invite you to join them in their palace for a while. Oh my. So one of the nagarajas uh, named Buridatta, and you'll have to forgive me if I'm getting the pronunciation wrong, would invite humans who showed virtuous qualities into his palace where there were all manner of earthly delights to be enjoyed. There was a story, however, of a thief who decided that he'd try to trick Boridata into letting him into his palace. Uh-oh. And at first, the thief thought, I did it, because Boridata invited him in and allowed him to tour the palace and enjoy the delights. But the more time that the thief spent in there, the more his perception began to change and all of the beautiful women became ugly hags, all the food became rotten. And he realized that he was in a prison, essentially, of his own sins and couldn't get out. Wicked. So take care that even if you do get into the palace of Anagaraja, that you didn't do so by trickery. Otherwise, you're in for a nasty little surprise. By invitation only. That's right. Good to know. I certainly wouldn't want to besmirch the good name of the Nagaraja. Yeah, especially if they're being so generous as to let you into the wonderful underground palaces that they have. Right. Now, I am a little curious because I I always do a preliminary 
Google image search on our friend of legend, just to see what they look like and what we're in for, I noticed that there are different colors of the Naga skin. Does that signify that they're from different regions of Asia, or...? There wasn't a whole lot of reference to color that I could find. I think most of the time, serpentine elements of a Naga or Nagini are going to look mostly like a King Cobra. There's not going to be a whole lot of variation. I think the the ones that you were seeing were artist representation. Mm-hmm. Though I did see that in some parts outside of India, a seven-headed Naga might have a head that represents each color of the rainbow. That's neat. Yeah. I like that a lot. It's fun. Vibrant. Another thing I wanted to mention uh, while we're talking about the culture of the Nagas is that they do have ancestral enemies. And these are a race of beings called the Garudas, who are like eagle-person hybrids. Well, that makes sense to me. Eagles certainly like to eat their share of snickety snakes. Yep, they're, that sort of adversarial relationship does carry on between those two, even though they're believed to be cousins. And there's a lot of stories about fights that break out between groups of the two races, and almost always a god or the Buddha has to come in and intervene and break it up. Aw, dad's coming in. Mm-hmm, that's right. <laughs> so if you are trying to become friends with a Naga, don't be seen around Garudas. Garudas themselves, from what I was able to tell, I didn't go into too much detail, but they're not bad or evil or base or anything like that. But if you are trying to become friends with Nagas, best not be seen consorting with the, the Garudas. With the rivals. Yeah, it's, it's not going not gonna to win you any favor with the Nagas. Right. So another thing I wanted to talk about is the times when Nagas or Naginis have actively tried to insinuate themselves into human life. Okay. Because they can take the form of humans, and unlike with the Thunderbird, where you can tell a Thunderbird's a person when they are a young boy that talks backwards, mm-hmm. it's almost impossible to tell whether or not a person is actually a naga transfigured as a human okay they're they're very good at concealing themselves in that respect no forked tongue no nothing like that it's uh it's, it's the complete illusion gotcha so one story i did see was that there was a naga who ascended from his underworld home to try to become a monk like a buddhist monk And he took the human form and he wore the robes and he was practicing everything until the Buddha saw him and saw right through the illusion and told him that unfortunately it wouldn't work out for a Naga to be a monk. But instead he gave the, the Naga who was trying to take this ascetic lifestyle and he taught him a reincarnation secret that would allow him to be reborn as a human so that he could become a monk in his next life. Wow. Well, that's something at least. Mm-hmm. So it's clear that there are some things that we can do that Nagas can't, and some of them want to have that in their lives. Kind of like uh, King Louis from the Jungle Book. That makes sense. I, I do hope that it's not based on discrimination and more that they just don't have the physical capacity to do certain things. I think it's more of a spiritual capacity. I'm no expert in the tenets of Buddhism, but that that was just the story I found. And it was just generally said that the, the Naga would not be able to be a monk. Another interesting tidbit I found, less of a story and more of a 
series of mentions are that many Naginis have come up to the human sphere and taken the form of beautiful women so that they could marry kings. Hmm. And there are a slew of Indian dynasties that claim to have uh, Nagini ancestry where the, the king at the time married a Nagini and their children had the, the blood of both human and Naga in them. Now, do the Nagini queens look to gain power or riches? or? It definitely didn't seem like the Naginis were the ones who were necessarily gaining more from it since the Naga race is very powerful and very honorable. It would be not dissimilar from, I don't know, two noble houses wedding. Okay. And then the last thing I wanted to talk about was, of course, their representation in popular Western culture. We already mentioned Harry Potter. With the Really, it was just the name that mm-hmm. was used. But the idea of Nagas are used in two different respects in Dungeons & Dragons. I would love to know more about that. So the first one is a magical creature called the Naga. It shares a lot of the attitudes and behaviors of a Naga, and of course the name, but the appearance really doesn't have a whole lot in common. The The Naga of D&D lore is a giant serpent with a human face. Like, just imagine Jemaine Clement's character from What We Do in the Shadows, yeah. but instead of as a cat with a face, he's a snake with a face. I love that picture. I love it. And these these Nagas are generally benevolent, lawful good beings who live apart from humanoid society and protect their areas from evil using magic. Okay, so they're pretty respectfully represented in D&D. The representation in D&D that is called Nagas is a fair representation, at least in character, whereas there is the other representation that is a more accurate representation in substance, but less so in character, and this is a race of beings called the Yuan-Ti. And this is actually a playable race. If you are a person who plays D&D and you want a character who is Yuan-Ti, you can do that. They are snake people, essentially. They run the spectrum of being people body snake head or people head snake body or humans with bits of scales and forked tongues Mm -hmm. uh, and everywhere in between. Right. But these Yuan-Ti are a lot more hostile, bitter, evil, Hmm. egomaniacal, greedy. They believe that they are the superior race. And they actively feud with the Nagas. The the Nagas that are just snakes with people faces. Oh gosh. So they're often used as a, like a cult plot hook because they will worship darker gods and goddesses not out of reverence for that god or goddess but to gain power Mm -hmm. and they generally will use and manipulate anything they can to assert themselves as a superior life form well that's too bad but luckily those are just in games yep (laughs) and if you take parts of each of them and combine them you have a whole actual naga a whole naga Mm -hmm. so in summary Some of the best ways to become friends with Nagas and Naginis are to not pollute their bodies of water in which they dwell. You don't want to be a thieving fool in their palaces. 
Nope, you don't want that. And and just display virtue, good virtue. That's right. Be mindful of others. Be mindful of your environment and just show respect and generosity. Another thing is if you meditate outdoors a lot and you do it often enough and Anaga sees you, they might uh, come keep you company. That's really nice. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, something I've noticed with a lot of our Friends of Legend that we've talked about is that they have a bad rap at at first glance, but most of them, all they want you to do is be a good human being. And what's better incentive than to gain a Friend of Legend if all you need to do is, is show a little compassion for the world around you, right? Absolutely. I think... I like that a lot of these beings represent both the carrot and the stick. Mm -hmm. The carrot of being a a good, helpful friend, and the stick of being a terribly powerful enemy. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, now I think it's time to move on to the rating part of our podcast. If this is your first time listening, we have a rating system that we use to determine how easy it would be to become friends with each of these beings. Uh, It's in four tiers. The first tier is friend-shaped. A friend-shaped friend is someone who's easy to get along with, seems to enjoy human company. You don't have to work too hard or worry about risking anything to become their friends. Next up, we have a cheeky friend. And this is a buddy who is not not going to be totally benign and, and gentle. They might be either hard to get to or just hard to connect with. Maybe they're a little mischievous. Maybe they're... A bit of a nuisance. Next up is Spicy Friend. These creatures are going to be harder to start becoming friends with. And before, during, and even after you become friends with them, it can be a little risky, whether due to just the nature of them or where they live. You could be risking some injury. And lastly, we have Not a Friend Yet. And this is someone who we don't have record of humans becoming friends with them. We need to work at that relationship a little more before we can safely pal up with them. But everyone is worth a shot. And that's what this podcast is all about. Mm-hmm. So I hope this doesn't come off as patronizing to them, but I really do feel like Nagas are friend-shaped. I would have to agree. Because <laughs> they're, they're certainly not a nuisance to you. I wouldn't say it's hard to become friends with them because they want to be around people a lot of times Mm -hmm. and unless you're actively trying to get on their nerves they're they're not gonna hurt you it's not their instinct right and if you're someone who has a phobia of snakes then i think nagas are going to be a great way of getting past that because they aren't you know they they've got venom but they're not going to use it against you they're gonna use it on whatever they might need to feast upon, but any anything that you are worried about happening with our common snakes, it's not gonna happen with the Nagas. I don't I don't see them suffocating anyone. I mean, honestly, I th- I think it's kind of that way with real snakes too. Snakes aren't looking to eat people, uh, except maybe anacondas. <laughs> but with with most venomous snakes, they're not looking for someone to bite. They're just gonna bite you if they feel threatened yeah same way with lots of lots of friendly things bees 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 are so good oh fuzzy butts Mm -hmm. 
Well, I'd like to thank all of you for coming in and learning more about Nagas and Naginis with us. If you liked what you heard, uh, feel free to subscribe to us on whatever podcast system you use or give us a rating. It helps us out a lot. And it only takes a second. When you do subscribe to us, you'll get notified of our new episodes. Additionally, if you want to learn more about the podcast itself or get in contact with us, you can go to friendsoflegend.com where there's a complete list of our episodes, a frequently asked questions page, and even an area where you can drop us a line if you want to fill us in on something maybe we didn't mention in the podcast or suggest a topic for a future episode. Or if you just want to say hi. Yes, that too. Or if you know a good recipe for fries. Mmm, mm. we're always looking. And just remember, new episodes of Friends of Legend are up every Saturday. We post them at midnight, so you're going to get them soonest if you subscribe to us. Otherwise, just look look for them on your podcast directory on Saturdays. Well, thanks again. And remember, when it comes to Friends of Legend, charm them. Do not harm them! Do not harm them!